0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وصيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So there's been a lengthy break As you're all aware It's been 18 months Since we had the last gathering here March 2020 (coughs) So inshallah ta'ala The plan now obviously is To start doing the classes On a regular basis again Every week Like we usually used to do Every Sunday night Today will be a general introduction lecture And then from next week We'll go back to the book that we were studying before The Fiqh of Du'a About making Du'a About the rulings of Du'a The different types of Du'a When to make Du'a, supplication When to call upon Allah The best times to do those prayers that is what we'll get back to from next week insha'Allah Today then, due to having such a long break Will be a general reminder A general lecture To remind us of the importance of studying To remind us of how to increase our iman To remind us of how to focus on studying our religion So that we can become better Muslims Because a Muslim can only become a better Muslim (coughs) if you learn what Islam actually is. Why is it that there are so many people out there and they are upon misguided ways that have nothing to do with Islam and they claim what they do is under the banner of Islam. So why is it that there are so many misguided people like that Because of their ignorance of what Islam actually is. Because they are ignorant of what the Prophet ﷺ actually taught us. They are ignorant of what is actually in the Qur'an. They are ignorant of what is actually in the hadith, the prophetic sayings of Muhammad ﷺ, the final messenger So if a person wants to become a better Muslim practicing Islam in the proper way, then there's only one method, there's only one way to be able to do that, and that is through learning and seeking knowledge and studying Islam. In the Quran, Allah informed us about these affairs, about the importance of knowledge about the importance of this religion And one of the important ayat That you notice in the Qur'an Is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said إِنَّ الدِّينَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ islam That the religion with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is the religion of Islam Meaning all the prophets and messengers from the beginning to the end, they all came with the religion of Islam because all the prophets and messengers essentially came with the same base message, the same foundational message, the same principal message. All of the prophets and messengers were united in that basic and foundational message. And that was the message of Tawhid, the message of monotheism, the message teaching their people that they must abandon worshipping all of these multiple so-called gods and deities, worshipping the sun, some of them, worshipping the moon, others, worshipping the stars, worshipping the angels, worshipping the prophets. To abandon all of that, And to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone To worship Him and to single Him out With all of your actions, with all of your prayers Not to the stars and the moon or the angels or the prophets The religion of Islam and the message of all the prophets and messengers Was that message to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all of your actions. Allah told us in the Qur'an, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ وَاجْتَنِبُوا that indeed we sent to every nation a messenger. Allah told us in the Qur'an, we sent to every nation a messenger preaching to them. Worship Allah alone. And stay away from the false deities. (coughs) Worship Allah alone. And stay away from the false deities. All the other false deities of the stars, the moon, the trees, the rocks, the graves, the dead people. All of the things that they used to worship. Abandon all of those and worship Allah alone. That was the message of Ibrahim that was the message of Moses, Musa alayhi salam. That was the message of Isa, Jesus. That was the message of Noah, Nuh alayhi salam. And it was the message of the final messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. also. That's why the Prophet Muhammad said, It's like all of the prophets have the same father. Meaning all of them have the same source. They all come from the same source of knowledge, that revelation that comes to them from Allah. And that revelation is united between them all in the message of Tawheed, in the message of singling out Allah with all of your worship and not to associate partners in any way. That is the foundation of the religion. That is what will distinguish Between the people of paradise And the people of hellfire on that day The people of tawheed in paradise And the people of shirk in the hellfire And a person must constantly make dua Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Supplicating to him, praying to him Asking him To keep you upon that straight path of success. The straight path to paradise. As-siratul mustaqim. That straight path of the pleasure of Allah. That path that will guide you to paradise. As you say in every prayer. Ihdina as-siratul mustaqim. Guide us to the straight path. As-sirat al-mustaqim Mustaqim Mustaqim, meaning it has no bends in it No turns in it It is a straight path You ask Allah to keep you upon that straight path Just like the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself Used to make dua regularly Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for firmness upon that straight path ya muqallib alqulub fabbit qalbi ala dinik he used to say <coughs> oh the one who changes the hearts of the people keep my heart firm upon your religion the one who changes the hearts of the people keep my heart Firm upon your religion Because a person He can change The prophets and messengers Of course we know They never fall into shirk But a normal person The heart It changes and alternates And you see That sometimes you feel A strength of iman And sometimes you feel A weakness in your iman and a person does not know what his end result will be like in the hadith it mentions wa inna ahadakum la ya'malu bi'amal ahli al-jannah hatta ma yakunu baynahu wa baynaha illa diraa' fa yasbiqu 'alayhi al-kitab fa bi'amal ahli al-na that may be one of you does all of the righteous actions that would be from the actions of the people of paradise. But then something happens, the decree, and you go and make choices that end up being from the evil actions and you end up in the hellfire. And maybe another person, بِعَمَلِ أَهْلِ النَّارِ حَتَّى مَا بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَهُ إِلَّا ذِرَاعِ Then another person, maybe he does the actions of the people of (coughs) hellfire. His life is spent upon wrong, upon sinning. But then, he makes the right choice. The decree is such, he chooses to make the right choice. And to be upon tawheed and the worship of Allah alone. And so, being upon that tawheed and dying upon that tawheed, the monotheism and the worship of Allah alone, he enters paradise. Like it mentions in the hadith al bitaqah the man on the day of judgment who will come for his judgment, and there will be 99 scrolls, every scroll when you unravel it, it unravels to as far as the eye can see every one of those 99 and all of them are full of evil deeds so then it will be said to him alaka hasana have you got any good deeds he will think he has nothing he will say la ya rabbi no my lord but then it will be said bal oh bala indana laka hasana O laka hasana indana, That you have a good deed with us. There is a good deed you did do. Then one scroll is brought out. One parchment, one scroll. In that one it says, La ilaha illallah. That there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. Tawheed. Monotheism. The worship of Allah alone. The man will think (coughs) What can this one scroll Do In comparison to those 99 scrolls Full of evil deeds But when they are put into the weighing scale The 99 scrolls on one side And the one scroll on the other side The one scroll with La ilaha illallah written upon it Will outweigh All of those other 99 scrolls And the person enters paradise So perhaps he lived a life of sin As the scholars mentioned Perhaps he lived a life of sin But at the end of his life He repented Sought forgiveness from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala For the deeds he'd done For the wrong that he'd done and died upon acceptance of tawhid, And so that abrogated and nullified. All of the wrongs that he had done before. Al-Islamu yajubbu ma Islam wipes out and covers up what came before it. And At-Tawbah. Tajubbu ma Repentance covers up that which came before it. Because all of us. We make sins. We fall into sins. All of us, we fall into error. We may do some wrong. And the Prophet ﷺ told us, كُلُّ wa آدَمْ al at-tawabun." All of the sons of Adam, they make errors. Everybody falls into sin and error. But the best of you who do that are the ones who repent. You repent and you make du'a And you supplicate to Allah to forgive you For the wrongs that you've done And so Allah forgives Allah loves tawabin, <coughs> The ones who repent and seek forgiveness from their sins In another narration the Prophet ﷺ told us That Allah said إِنَّكُمْ تُخْطِئُونَ بِالْلَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَأَنَا أَغْفِرَ جَمِيعًا فَاسْتَغْفِرُونِي أَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ Allah said, You, the servants, You do wrong, Do errors and sins day and night. But I am the one who forgives. So seek your forgiveness from me And I will forgive you. Allah forgives Whatever error a person may have fallen into His iman has gone low And the shaitan is whispering to him That's it, you have no possibility now And that is wrong Every person has the possibility of seeking forgiveness No matter what the sin Even shirk As long as you are alive And you repent from that shirk whilst you are alive You can be forgiven of course A person repents from his shirk and becomes Muslim Wipes out all of that shirk. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, إِنَّ wa That if you die, then Allah will not forgive shirk. If you died upon shirk, not seeking forgiveness for it, then that will not be forgiven. But all other sins that you may have done can still be forgiven on the Day of Judgment. All other wrongs you may have done, sins that you may have done. And your iman, it went lower and lower and lower. And you began falling into more and more error. But Allah is the one who forgives. And so it can be that a person maybe sometimes becomes low in his iman. And then he requires encouragement from his brothers to then pick him up once again to strengthen his iman. That can be the case, but a person should never lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah said in the Quran, do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Allah is the merciful and He forgives. So you make error, you repent. This is like what <coughs> the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said in another narration. كُلُّ يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ The Prophet said, All of my Ummah will enter Paradise. إِلَّا مَنْ أَبَى Except for the ones who refuse. All of my nation, they will enter Paradise except for the ones who refuse. The Companion said to him, وَمَنْ يَأْبَى يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ who would possibly refuse, O Messenger of Allah? Who would possibly refuse? So then, the Prophet sallallahu told them. Told them what? Man a'ta'ani, dakhala al-jannah, wa man 'a'sani, faqad aba. That whomsoever obeys me. <coughs> then they will enter paradise. Whomsoever obeys me, then they will enter paradise. But whomsoever disobeys me, then they have refused. They are the ones who have refused entry into paradise, the ones who disobey the Prophet, وسلم, refuse to follow the commandments. Even though they know that the Prophet ﷺ has said, ما أمرتكم به فأتوا منهما استطاعتم وما نهيتكم عنه فاشتنبوا What I have commanded you with, then do as much as you are able. And what I have prohibited you from, then stay away from it. Allah told us in the Quran, وما آتاكم الرسول فاخضوا وما نهاكم عنه فانتهوا That which the Prophet ﷺ has given you, then take it, do it. And that which he has prohibited you from, then stay away from it. This is the basic commandment upon us and the basic test upon us in this world. This world is a test. Will we be from the righteous who obey the commandments of the Prophet ﷺ? Or will we be from the disobedient Sinning and carrying on and never repenting and never seeking forgiveness and never trying to get onto the right path. That's the test we are in right now. He is the one who created death and life to test you. Which of you are the best in your actions? Which of you are the best in your deeds? The test is this now. The test is this world. This is the opportunity we've been given to judge on the day of judgment upon the actions that you do now. And that's why it mentions in many narrations, this world is the world of test and trial. It is the residence where the test and the trial occurs. After this world, when you die, then it is no more test and trial for your actions. It is test and trial as a judgment upon you now. إِذَا ما قَطَعَ عَنْهُ Amalu, When a person dies, all of your actions, they are cut off. No more opportunity, except the ongoing sadaqah jariyah, and the knowledge that you leave behind, and the righteous child who makes dua for you, but otherwise your actions and your opportunity is gone. In the other narration he mentions, ahluhu When a person dies, three things will follow you to the grave. When you die, three things go with you, follow you to the grave. Your family... Your wealth and your actions. Two of them, they are going to come back. They won't go with you in the grave. Your family will come back. And your wealth will come back. And it will be taken by the inheritors. Only your actions will go with you in your grave. Only the deeds that you did will go with you in your grave. And that's what you will be judged upon in the afterlife. And no deed is missed. Do not think that you can hide. Nothing is missed. وَإِنَّ عَلَيْكُمْ كِرَامًا يَعْلَمُونَ مَا تَفَعَلُونَ That Allah told us, We have upon you the noble guardians. They are writing everything you do and they are aware of everything you do. The Salaf had a consensus upon the fact that there is an angel that writes your bad deeds and an angel that writes your good deeds. Everything is written down from your actions and your statements. It mentions in a hadith, وَإِنَّ الْعَبْدَ لَيْتَكَلَّمُ بِكَلِمَةٍ مِنْ سَخَطِ اللَّهِ لَا يُلْقِي لَهَا بَالًا يَهْوِي biha ila جَهَنَّمُ Sometimes it could be that a person says something very minor, something very small, and he doesn't even pay attention to it, but it was something evil. Doesn't even pay attention to it. Some small thing that he said. Maybe a small lie that he made. Or a small backbiting that he did of someone. Or a small storytelling he did about someone. (coughs) And he doesn't even pay attention to it. Just says it and carries on with his life. On the day of judgment. Maybe that one small statement that he made. Of evil. One piece of backbiting. One lie. That could be the reason why he is thrown into the hellfire. Because every statement is written and every statement is recorded. There is no hiding this world and this life. It is a test and a trial. And that's why a person should not become attached to the worldly wealth. And the glitter of this world And the bliss of this world And the luxuries of this world Those kinds of things Will drag your iman down The Prophet ﷺ told us fi Dunya الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غَرِيبًا aw sabil Be in this world as though you are a stranger Or a passer-by Meaning don't be in this world as though You are a resident And this is your home and you're staying here forever. No. Be in this world as though you're a traveler. You're just passing through. And that's all we are doing. We are just passing through this world. And the time it flies by like the blink of an eye. (coughs) A year goes by. Two years go by. Three years go by. Last Ramadan gone. Before you know it, this next Ramadan will be here. Before you know it. Ramadan will be here again. Now you think seven, eight, nine months left, it'll be here before you know it. And it'll be gone before you know it. Time it goes. As they say in Arabic, الوقت كالصيف in Lam Sword, uh, the time is like a sword. They have a saying in Arabic, time is like a sword. If you don't cut it, you don't take care of it, then it will certainly cut you up. Time is like a sword. If you don't cut it, you don't take care of that sword and make it safe, then the sword will certainly just come and cut you up. Meaning time, if you don't utilize it properly and you don't organize it properly, time will cut you up. It will just come and pass you by and pass you by and you get older and older and you've done nothing with your life. Such is the nature of time and the fleeting nature of this world. So a person needs in his life to get the objectives right. To get the objectives and the priorities right. You can see now from all of these things we've been talking about, it all leads to this type of conclusion. That you need to live your lives upon Goals and objectives That goal and objective ultimately of course Is to be and to remain upon As-Siratul Mustaqeem And to enter paradise That is your objective How are you going to maintain that objective By worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala By being obedient Fulfilling the commandments Staying away from the prohibitions But how are you going to do that? Right back to the first thing we said in the lecture Circle We've come back How are you going to do that? Through studying and learning and knowledge Through studying And learning And knowledge Learning about your religion You will then be able to worship Allah properly And you will then inshallah Be able to stay Upon that straight path And that's why it is so important for every believer to make the objectives in their lives clear. Not be wasting your life here and there and everywhere, on the streets, with your friends, pizzas, wasting your time. And nothing is happening, no clear objective, get up, go to work, relax with your friends, relax here, get up, go to work, relax. Every day just going like that. No objective, no goals, No plan, I want to learn this, I want to learn the Qur'an, I want to learn hadith. I want to understand how to pray properly and perfectly as the Prophet did. I want to learn how to make wudu perfectly and properly. If you don't have these objectives, then your life is being wasted. Or if other objectives are overtaking these objectives, then your life is being wasted. If the objective of money is overtaking your objective in worship and obedience, then you are chasing after that wealth and your work and your job and that's all you're doing, then these objectives of knowledge and religion and studying and worshipping Allah, they are being subdued, they are being uh, suppressed, they are being pushed away. If your objectives become worldly matters, worldly matters, like many of the people out there, many of the people out there in their gatherings, all they will talk about are just the worldly matters. Did you hear what's going on in Brazil? It was on the news. Have you heard what happened in uh, Australia last night? It was on the news. They just talk about the worldly matters all day long. Many people, they do that. They, in their gatherings, there is no such thing as talking about the Qur'an. There is no such thing talking about what Allah has said to us, the hadith of the Prophet. All their gatherings will just be about, what about this car, the new one that came out, and have you heard about the new phone that came out, and the new model which came out. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? Have you heard the news from this country? Have you heard that president died? All these worldly matters, that's what people talk about. They sit together, they have food, they get together, And that's their two hours and three hours of talking. This and that and this happened and that happened. Not a single hadith. Not a single part of the Qur'an. Not a single thing about the religion. Just wasted on this and that and the new model of the phone that's coming out. and Useless speech. That isn't going to give you benefit. It would be far more beneficial for you. Instead of spending all this time like that. To come to gatherings of knowledge where you're going to hear ayat of the Qur'an, you're going to hear hadith from the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and these things, these kinds of gatherings, they are from the highest, the highest method of increasing your iman. These kinds of gatherings, where you're talking about Allah, you're talking about the Qur'an, you're talking about the sunnah, It is the highest method of increasing iman. The scholars have said, the highest method of increasing your iman is through seeking knowledge. That is the highest method of increasing your iman. Because the more knowledge you learn, the more you learn about Allah, your creator, the more you will have that feeling in your heart and that strength of iman in your heart, the more you learn about Allah. The more you learn about paradise Will you not have a greater desire To enter paradise The more you learn about sinning And punishment and hellfire Will you not have a stronger desire To make sure you can avoid And stay away from the hellfire Absolutely The more you learn About the Prophet Will you not have A stronger love For the messenger then who is going to love the messenger more? The one who knows about him and reads about him and learns what he taught us, reads the hadith, or a person who doesn't do any of that and doesn't know anything. He was the final messenger, Muhammad, that's it. Which person is going to have a greater love for the messenger? The one who knows. That's why Allah said in the Quran, "Hal Are they equal? The ones who have knowledge and the ones who do not, clearly they are not equal. The ones who have knowledge are higher up than the ones who do not have knowledge. And that's why Ibn al Qayyim, he mentioned that example about the dogs, a dog. If a dog is knowledgeable, it is more superior and has more position than a dog that is jahil, ignorant. How? Because Islamically, <coughs> it's not allowed to keep dogs. Unless it is for specific reasons. For example, a sheep dog. You're a farmer, you got animals, you got cows, you got sheep, you want a dog to look after your animals so the fox doesn't come and eat your sheep at night and things like that. You can have a guard dog for your animals maybe crops you have lots of crops that you're growing potatoes and carrots and lots of things and you don't want the sheep from the other fields and the cows the other fields and the birds to come and eat it all so you have a dog there anytime the animals come the birds come the dog barks and they get they go and so your vegetables and your crops are kept safe okay or you can have a dog as a hunting dog as a hunting dog Even in this country, I think now it's banned, certain types of hunting in this country, but when they used to do it on the horses, they also use dogs when they go after the rabbits and the deer. I think now it's banned or whatever the law is, but when they used to do it, they used to sit on a horse, wear all that red clothes and everything with the tradition, and then have the dogs with them. So dogs can be used for hunting, and Islamically you can have a hunting dog but the hunting dog if you're gonna have one cannot just be any dog it must be a dog that has intelligence it understands your commands you tell it to go it understands there's a rabbit something it goes not that you're hunting there's a rabbit you tell the dog to go he's you're sitting there (laughs) that's an ignorant dog jahil dog so you must have a dog who understands the commands. Go, stop, let go of it. You have to have a dog that understands. That's the type of dog that is allowed as a hunting dog. So Ibn Qayyim said, look, when a dog has knowledge, it becomes superior to a dog that is jahil. The jahil dog, it cannot get the job. The intelligent dog that understands the training and the orders, it can be the hunting dog. So the intelligent and the understanding dog Is superior to the jahil dog That's with dogs What about the humans Who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Blessed and gave you Nobility and honor Over the animals Gave you nobility And honor and uh, ability To study and to learn Your religion To learn how to make wudu properly How to pray properly So you're not just spending all of your life doing it wrong to learn what tawhid is so that you're not just spending all of your life making mistakes and falling into affairs that could be considered types of shirk it's very important for a person to realize the importance of knowledge and that if you begin to feel a weakness in iman and you're committing sins and you're in with the wrong crowd that one of the things you must push yourself to do Is bring yourselves to the gatherings of knowledge. Where you're going to hear Qur'an. You're going to hear hadith. You're going to hear the Prophet said. And Allah said. And Abu Bakr as-Siddiq the Salaf they said. These are the things you want to be hearing. Not just about the new phone and the new car. And this happened in Brazil. And this happened in the USA. And this happened in Europe. Not just worldly matters for no benefit That's not going to increase your iman Hearing about paradise About hellfire About the mercy of Allah For the sins you've committed To encourage you to seek (coughs) forgiveness About the severity of the punishment of Allah For the one who commits errors And doesn't repent Then that makes you fear And not want to fall into those errors All of this helps and aids a believer Strengthens a believer strengthens him so that he is better able to remain upon that straight path the key is knowledge the key is knowledge Quran, Sunnah, Hadith that knowledge is the key for your iman to strengthen it and if your iman strengthens it rectifies your life you are more obedient you are better with your wife your children, your family how you're raising them. Everything becomes better if your iman is stronger. But if your iman is weak, then maybe you behave bad to to your wife, to your children. (coughs) You're not raising them properly. You never take your kids to the mosque because you never go to the mosque. Then what kind of an upbringing is that? The key is knowledge. That's why the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us to seek knowledge. The Prophet said, Whoever treads upon a path, whoever walks upon a path seeking by knowledge, then Allah will make your path to paradise easy. How? Because the meaning of the hadith is if you're treading upon a path seeking knowledge, and you're becoming more and more knowledgeable by doing that, and so your iman is increasing more, and therefore you're doing more worship and you're leaving your sins. Then all of that is making it easier and easier for you to get to paradise. That's why there's an encouragement there. In the other narration, whomsoever Allah wants goodness for, Allah will give him knowledge of the religion. Do you not want to be given the goodness from Allah? You do not want to be Jahil, just Muslim. Yes, I'm Muslim. But you don't know anything about Islam. You don't know anything about the Quran really. You don't know anything about the Hadith, Sunnah, nothing. I'm Muslim though. So you're Muslim but you're completely ignorant. Is that what you want to be? When your children, you think about that when you get married, if you're not married yet, or you're married already, and your children when they start to grow up, if you are ignorant, then what are you going to teach your children about Islam? In 20 years, if they end up on the streets drug dealing and everything... Then you've got a role to play in that, your responsibility. All of you are shepherds, and all of you are responsible for your flock. You are responsible for your family. Allah told us protect yourselves and your families from the fire. How? By gaining knowledge. And being upon that strength of iman and upon guidance and righteousness and your family, upon that tarbiyah, upon goodness and righteousness, all of you working to be upon a sirat al-mustaqim. But if you don't and your children grow up smoking and on drugs and on the streets, then you think back to yourself what kind of a father you are. You think back to yourself what kind of responsibility you've given. So now it is upon everybody to fix themselves. Because by fixing yourself and your Iman, then that has an impact on the rest of your family, upon the community. And that's why if this Ummah, the Muslims as a whole, they want strength and power, then the only way to get that strength in the Ummah is for them all to do this. For them all to return back to knowledge and learning it and seeking it and practicing it and increasing their Iman. Rectifying their families, rectifying their societies for the ummah to return back to the religion. The ummah, the Muslims must return back to the religion for strength and honor. You don't expect the Muslims, okay, we have to be strong and look what the non-Muslims are doing to us and we need to go demonstrate. What are you talking about? You don't even pray five times a day. How do you think the Muslims are going to get strength? And you don't even pray five times a day. It begins with the basics. Returning back to the religion. Pray your five prayers. Get up for fajr. Pray your late prayer isha at night. Pray your prayers during the day. Do your worship properly. Otherwise, how do you possibly expect the Muslims to be strong or the ummah to be strong? How do you possibly expect and you want to say why are the the non-Muslims doing this to the Muslims in that country, this country, they are oppressing them then think to the Ummah what the Ummah is doing. You need to get back to the religion for rectification for yourself, for your Iman, for your wife, your children, your parents, your families, because that in the end is where the judgment will be upon. Your actions that you did in this world, you will be judged upon them on Al Qiyamah and that is where the differences in the people will be made the ones who enter paradise and the ones who enter hellfire. So that is just a brief introduction and reminder for us all. A reminder. It was nothing more than a reminder for us all to think carefully about our lives and our objectives. To think carefully what we're doing with our time, what we are ourselves with our families. Are we households upon islam or not to think carefully about that rectification to think carefully about where you're going to use your time and certainly one of the things you all should put into your diaries is this sunday night gathering from next week we're going to be going through about dua like we said about how to seek forgiveness from allah how to ask allah for guidance Ask Allah to make you stronger in iman, various things like that, very important topics, so fix it into your schedules. no excuses, never missing it into your schedules every Sunday night approximately eight thirty pm every Sunday night, one small sitting in the week for an hour forty five minutes an hour, once in the week that 's all it is. if you can 't put aside one small session in the week for your religion to learn it, when are you ever going to learn your religion? So inshallah ta'ala, focus on that. And not just everybody here today, as they say, the one who is not here, then let the present ones, the ones who are here, convey it to them. Convey it to your friends. Convey it to other brothers. And let them come to, and encourage them to be, in the gatherings of knowledge. So inshallah ta'ala, We'll resume with those gatherings from next week. And we'll conclude upon that small general reminder for today. Next week, bring your books, the Fiqh, Al-Ad'iyah, Al-Adhkar, for those who have them. And if you don't, bring a small pad and a pen. Maybe you hear something that you've never heard before, you can write it down. And then you remember that afterwards too. It's very beneficial to do that. Bring a small book and a pen. When you hear something interesting you've never heard before, write it down. And then you'll never forget it. It's always there in your book with you. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll conclude upon that and resume from next week at 8:30 Sunday.